So I guess one question is uh, how many of you have made a how many of you have made a New Year's resolution yet? Anybody made a New Year's resolution? Nobody? You resolved to what? Oh, okay. So so who has made a goal then? I decided years ago that uh, if I don't make any resolutions, I don't have to worry about breaking them because I always break them like the first day or the second day. I don't know how you guys are. So that's why we don't make resolutions anymore. So one of the things I want to talk about is, uh, you know, the most difficult part of any sermon is, is getting into the sermon. I mean, because the, the sermon is just God's word, right? So we can just go through God's word. Uh, but getting into it, and you know, I was thinking, you know, should I do something clever? Should I tell a joke? Should I whatever? And 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 you know, I, I just wanted let's just get into the word this morning. Is that okay? Amen. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it is relevant. Thank you that it fills that unending depth of a hole in our life and our soul. God, thank you that you took the time to reveal yourself to us in your word and through your son. And thank you that we have the privilege of gathering here this morning to open it and to engage with it God, so that we can see you more clearly, fall in love with you more deeply, and having encountered you, walk away from this place this morning, changed, having been in your presence. God, thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. 2020, it's a brand new year. And uh, one of the things I, I, I kind of like about the new year is it, it, it often gives us a sense of uh, a reset. The old year's done, it's gone, and we start fresh. It's a brand new year. We can make changes. We can do things differently. We can make different choices this year than we made last year. And things can be different. So, you know, I don't know really what road you're on or what journey you're taking, where you are in your life. God knows those things, but I don't know those things. Uh, there's a quote that I heard years ago, and I, you know it. I'm sure you know it. You've heard it. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Have you heard that before? That's a great saying, isn't it? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, what if you're going in the wrong direction? <laughs> now you're 2,000 miles away from where you meant to be, right? So I like to say it this way. A successful journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step in the right direction. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Is making sure that we begin our 2020, our new year, stepping in the right direction. 
So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. You've got your Bible, right? Everybody said amen? If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles back there on the back. Feel free to get one. If you've got your Bible, uh, uh, I'm glad. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 30. The reality is, is that every one of us is on a journey. And every one of us is going to come to a point in our life where we have to make choices on that journey. And every one of us is going to be impacted by those choices, whether good or bad. And every choice will impact. Now, some choices, they, they, don't, they don't really impact that much. It's like, you know, do I want to go to this barbecue restaurant or do I want to go to this barbecue restaurant? There's not a whole lot of difference between those two, so the consequences of that choice is going to be you went and ate barbecue, and now you need to go have a salad somewhere for for dinner, right? But if you had to make a choice, am I going to go to this barbecue restaurant, or I'm going to go over here and have a salad, now that's that's a different choice, right? One is going to impact you more than the other. But we're going to make choices our entire life. Now, Moses knew this. Uh, Moses was the pastor (laughs) of one of the unruliest churches ever. Amen? The nation of Israel was an unruly, uh, very often ungrateful church. Doing what they wanted to do when, when, when the boss wasn't looking. Sometimes doing it anyway, even though the boss was looking. But Moses knew the heart of the nation of Israel. He, he, he just wandered in the desert with him for 40 years. And Moses was coming to the end of his life. Uh, he wasn't going to go into the promised land, but God had led him all the way through. So there they are preparing to cross the Jordan, getting ready to head into the promised land. Moses gathers everybody together and he lays out a lot of stuff. He lays out a lot of the law. He kind of covers some of that. He lays out a lot of uh, uh, blessings and, and, and curses and, and all kinds of things. But we're in, in, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30. Verses 19 and 20. This is where we want to start. 30 verses 19 and 20. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Moses is coming to the end of his life. And he's about to basically hand the torch over to, uh, to Joshua. So he gathers everybody together and says, listen, you've seen all the things that God has done all these years. You've wandered with me in the desert for 40 years. God has spoken to us. God has showed up. He's a, a, a pillar of fire and uh, a, a, a cloud and, and uh, raining down manna providing, 
protecting. You've been in the presence of God all these years. You're about to walk over and take this land. And he puts a choice in front of him. What's the choice? He goes through a couple of chapters and he talks about all these the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience. And he says here to the whole nation, he says, I am setting before you today life and death. Choose life. It's a choice. Choose. Choose. 2020. Choose. Now, I know most of well, probably all of you guys, you, you've made the right choice or you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. So I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but it's a new year. And sometimes we need to be reminded. I, I've been to seminary and, and I've studied the Bible for years and there's a lot of times I need to be reminded. Isn't that right, Bob? Yeah. See? <laughs> we all need to be reminded. And that's all today is. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that we can choose to walk the way God wants us to walk. Amen? So he hands the uh, torch off to Joshua. They go in and they take the land and God runs out all their enemies and does everything that he's going to do. And and they separate and they parcel out all the land. Uh, See, Joshua was coming to the end of his life. So turn over to Joshua 24. Joshua was coming to the end of his life. And guess what he does? He gathers all the people together. Wants to have a conversation, wants to uh, tell them a few things. See, God was faithful and he brought them to the land of their inheritance. So Joshua comes along and he says, uh, I'm going to give you a choice. 24, verse 13. He says, I have given you a land. This is God talking. He says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor. And cities for which you did not build, and you dwell in them, and you eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And here's the choice. He says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods from which your fathers served that were, uh, that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. Say that again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have that on our wall at home right before you go out. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So once again, Joshua's getting to the end of his life. And he's thinking about, you know, these people that he's been leading all these years. And they're about to to basically break up and go to their different places where they've been assigned and the, and the lots uh, that they've been given. They're, they're going to spread out and uh, go to their places. And, and Joshua says, I got one thing to tell you before, you before you take off. Choose this day whom you'll serve. Now, that's just Old Testament stuff. Let's go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7. 
Because some people like to say, well, that, all that obedience stuff in the Old Testament, we're, we're set free from that. And, and you know what? We are set free from the law. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But it's still relevant. But look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus always knew his life was short, right? So he took every opportunity he could to teach the people, to speak to the crowds. And there was this one time, uh, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Turn to chapter 7. Sermon on the Mount. And he gathered, uh, there were at least 5,000 men there. So we know that there were probably some women, probably some children. So, you know, we'll just say half of those are women, half of children. So let's just say you got 10,000 people there. That's a good estimate. And he gathers them all together. And he lays out a choice. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go uh, go in it, or go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, is the way really difficult? Nobody wants to answer. Is the way really? Di- no, it's not difficult. Jesus didn't come to make it difficult. But there's a choice that has to be made. And sometimes that choice can be difficult because in order to walk with Christ, we have to die to self. He said that as well. If anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So we can't go this way. If Jesus is going that way, we can't go this way and call ourselves a disciple, can we? What way do we have to go? Follow him. So the act of following is not difficult. But sometimes the choice can be difficult because we have to choose between self and our Savior. So here's the road we're going to be on today. All right? All that was just prelude. I'm not going to charge you for that. We're going to talk about a road. Many of you have probably heard it before. Uh, You may have actually taught it before. It's called the Romans Road. Now, I added a few things, but there's a a lot of uh, things out there. uh, Continuing witness training, CWT. It's it's, uh, uh, something that I was trained in many years ago uh, where it talks about going out and doing evangelism and going door to door and talking to people and sharing your faith. And And you ask them things like, you know, if you were to die today... And stand before your God in heaven. And he asked you why should I let you in. What would you tell him? Pretty much that opens up a spiritual conversation doesn't it? <laughs> and there are other things out there. There's I think evangelism explosion. There's a, another one that's real simple. It's called share Jesus without fear. Uh, and this is the Romans road. Uh, it, it's just another way of sharing the gospel. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The gospel. How many of you have heard the gospel? If you, everybody raise your hand, come on. Everybody here has heard the gospel. I know that you have. If you've been in this church for any time, you've heard the gospel. You've heard the message of the saving power of Jesus Christ. You've heard it. I know you have. 
So I'm not going to tell you something new, but this is a reset day. This is a brand new year. This is just a reminder of why we're going to follow Christ in 2020. The Romans Road, it's the gospel. It's the blessed message of God's faithful redemption of sinful man. Will you guys take this journey with me this morning? Is that okay? I'm looking over my glasses. My eyes have gotten so bad. I have to hold my Bible out here to read it. Anybody else? Amen. All right, so you guys are going to take this road with me, right? I love the road. In the book of Acts, we're talking about Paul. I don't know why I'm folding those up. I'm going to need them again. We're talking about Paul and his conversion in, in the book of Acts and his life throughout the book of Acts. And Paul's the one who wrote the book of Romans. So we're in Romans, so turn to Romans. Uh, here, I'll turn there with you. Turn to Romans. You guys are probably already there, aren't you? Romans chapter 1. Paul wrote this book uh, probably in the late 50s, uh, sometime uh, around 56, 57, somewhere around there. Uh, really, at, at a time where... I won't say that they were in a, a world of peace, but relative peace and comfort because the, the major persecutions against the church uh, didn't happen until Rome burned, and that was the early 60s. Uh, so it's kind of relative peace when he wrote this book, and he's writing the, uh, the, the church in Rome, and he makes a wonderful statement. A proclamation tells you a lot about this man. In Romans 1, in verse 16... Here's what he writes. He says, "For I, and you guys have heard this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Amen. We can stop there and pray and go home. Don't say amen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek, and also for us, by the way. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to go down a little further. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For what God, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You have a contrast right there. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing. It's the power of God unto salvation. And that's amazing. But why is it even necessary? Well, the second part that I read, because of the wrath of God. You see, God created everything perfect. And in his creation, in that perfection, and in, in creating us, he created free will. He created giving us the opportunity to choose. Now, way back when, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, what did they choose? 
They chose themselves over God. And because of that, the wrath of God has been on creation. This world is falling apart, guys. I don't know if you've noticed, but this world's kind of falling apart. Do bad things happen in this world? Yes. Did God cause them? Well, sometimes, but not necessarily. We live in a broken world. So there's a, there's a, a, a difference there between the gospel and the broken world in which we live. There's a choice there. They had no excuse because God has been revealed through creation. All the heavens cry out the glory of God. Turn over a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 3. I'm going to begin in verse 9. Because, you know, over here in verse 1, when he's talking about God's wrath, he's talking about them. Because we may be known of God as manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood... Uh, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. Their hearts were darkened. Here's an interesting uh, question right here in verse 9 of chapter 3. What then? Are we better than... What's the word? They. Are we any better than they? No. Because here's why. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. That's what all chapter 2 is about. Talking about the Jews, talking about the Greeks, and talking about how we're all under sin. We're either sinning under the law if we have the law, or we're sinning without the law, not having the law. Are we any different from them? No. Because here's what it says. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And down in verse 20, verse 23, we, we, you've, you've heard this before. For all have sinned and fall short. Of the glory of God. That sounds like a pretty desperate place to be, doesn't it? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you, that means me. For all have sinned. Because of what happened way back when, when sin entered the world, we're all subject. So, uh, I call that our default setting, by the way. You'll hear me say that a couple of times. Uh, that word falls short of the glory of God. It's, I understand it means it's, it's like an archery term, uh, missing the mark. You know, like that exit sign back there is, you know, and I draw back and shoot, and it goes, <laughs> missed it completely. We miss the mark of God, God's perfection. That's Romans 3. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Just uh, me, it's just one page. If you have the large print, it might be a couple of pages. Romans chapter 5, verses 6. Here's, what's, here, here's the good news. By the, so far, it seems kind of dull and drab, and, and there's a lot of fear going on. There's a lot of wrath going on, and there's a lot of, of oh, I can't live up to this. Kinda, is that the kind of feeling so far? Anybody feeling kind of pressed down a little bit? 
All right, here's the good news. I love the good news. It's awesome. Therefore, well, I'm in the wrong verse. Well, you know, I'm going to read that anyway. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Through whom we have, have access by faith into his grace, into this grace in which we now stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Everybody go, man. That's the relief valve right there. We were in trouble there for a second, but God. And I, and I love that expression in, in the Bible. There's so many times in Scripture where it goes, da 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 But God, that's an amazing place to sit. But God had a different way. Our way wasn't working. So verse 6, we're, we're, uh, we're up here, right? Oh, yeah, we're there. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will anyone die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But look at this. There's a reason it's called amazing grace. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing. See, Christ didn't come to, to save the, uh, the good people. It's not the good, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, is it? Who needs a doctor? The sick. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. I think that's Luke 19.10. Somebody check me. Is that right, Bob? Yeah. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was... I talk to Bob a lot because, you know, he's, he's one of my mentors. So if I say something wrong, it's his fault. You can blame him after the service. <laughs> hey, listen. Our default setting, our default setting is weak and sinful and separated from God. That's where we begin our lives, weak and sinful and separated from God. That's our default setting. That's going to be important here in just a second. But what does it say? God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who knows John 3.16? Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son or his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life, eternal life. My daughter knows this. My son does too. Actually, my wife probably knows. They all know. My favorite word, my favorite word in that entire verse in the Greek is hutos. It's that word so, that little word so. And let me tell you why that's important, that little word so. 
That word hutos is also used in the verse, uh, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's also the same word that's used when the, when the disciples ask him, hey, teach us to pray. And, and, and he said, uh, when you pray, pray like so, like this. That word, hutos, doesn't mean how much. I've heard people say, for God loved the world so much. And that's not what the verse says. It said, God loved the world like this. He sent his one and only son. Sending Jesus Christ was not how much he loved the world. It's how he loved the world. See how that changes the verse? That's how he, God demonstrates his own love in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he loved the world. That's how he loves you. That's how he loves me. Romans 6. I've only got so much battery on my computer, so when the battery you know, shuts down, we'll just say amen and go home, okay? I think it only lasts an hour and a half. So, so we should be good. Romans 6. Romans 6.20. Once again, our default setting. And you see this a lot in Paul's writings about the old man, the new man, uh, how we were, how we are after Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Everything has become new. I think that's 2 Corinthians 5, I believe. Check me. You guys go home after the sermon and, and you guys check this stuff. Make sure I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm telling you the truth. Romans 6, 20, it says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You were slaves of sin, therefore righteousness wasn't even, didn't apply. You were slaves of sin. So you were free of that one. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you were now ashamed? What did it get you? Can you remember? Some of you have been saved so long, you don't even remember what the old man was like. That's awesome. That's my goal, is to completely forget who that guy was. But I am ashamed of some things from back then. But you know what? I don't have to be. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then? In the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. There's a proverb that says, There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. But now, it's almost like saying, But God, but now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. Not death, but life. For the gift, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
That's what we're here to remind each other of today. Because our default setting where we were, we were broken, we were, uh, we were sick and tired and, 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 and slaves to sin. But God, amen, set us free from the law of sin and death. If you want to know much about that, go read Galatians. It's awesome. Being set free from the law of sin and death. Now, it's an interesting thing here in this verse where it says, being set free as slaves to sin, we become slaves to God. Anybody okay with that? <laughs> Absolutely. He's the one who created me. I belong to him anyway. Let me tell you something about sin. From experience, I'm not just, you know, hypothetically saying anything, okay? Not from this morning or anything, mind you. But sin will always take you further than you mean to go. It will always keep you longer than you mean to stay. And it will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. You got to write that down somewhere. Sin will always take you further than you mean to go. It will keep you longer than you mean to stay. And it will cost you much more than you meant to pay. Sin destroys. John 10.10. You talked about John 10 when you you preached your sermon, right? John 10.10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Who's the thief? He's that... uh, uh, the one wandering around like a roaring lion, lion seeking to whom he can destroy. The enemy, the devil, Satan. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life. That you may have it more abundantly. That's a big deal. That's another one of those, but God statements. I like those. Everybody say, but God. You should, you should, you should keep that. You can use it. It's all right. I won't charge you. Sin destroys, but God. Amen. Flip over to Romans 7. Romans 7, beginning in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. This is Paul. Once again, Apostle Paul, the one who wrote a lot of this. Well, the New Testament anyway. He didn't write any of the Old Testament. A lot of the New Testament, all those letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all those things. You think he's a pretty good guy, right? I mean, God wouldn't let a sinner write the Bible, right? Only a perfect guy could have written this, right? Well, let's read this and we'll find out. Seven, beginning in verse, uh, verse 14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Default setting. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If, then, I do... What I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now 
Uh, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells uh, in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if you do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Does anybody catch all that? <laughs> That's a little confusing. I do not do 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 No, I'm not speaking in tongues. I just, I made that up. What Paul is saying here is, is really two things. He says, you know, I, I want to do the right thing in my mind, in my heart. I want to do the right thing. I have the will to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. <sighs> I do the wrong thing. You don't ever have that problem? I really want to eat that salad. I really, really, really want to eat that salad. I'm going to order that salad. Can I have a double cheeseburger, please? I want to do the right thing. That's part of the challenge that he had. But he also says, I don't want to do the wrong thing. And this is a different one altogether. I don't want to do the wrong thing. My wife's over there laughing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. But I do it anyway. Paul, the guy who wrote this book, had a lot of challenges. He struggled. Now, here's the struggle. The struggle is in the spirit, he's got it. He's saved. Blood-bought, saved, uh, being sanctified by the Spirit of God. Amen and amen and amen. He knows that he knows that he knows that he's saved in his spirit. But we live in this fleshy body, and we struggle with it, don't we? Everybody go like this. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Except Steve, I think he's pretty much got it licked by now. So, and, and Bob, because he's my mentor. So. We all have issues between the spirit and the flesh. Salvation does not mean immediate perfection, guys. But it means that we're in the process of continuing to grow. I love what he says down in verse 24. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And then Romans 8. This is such great news. You know, I'm not trying to make you guys feel bad. I really don't want you to feel bad. You know, if you've sinned, just, you know, go to God. He says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for those sins. Guess what? He paid for those sins. These sins here. And those sins there, they're all paid for. So this is, this is the really, really good news. Romans 8, 1. Lost my glasses. Romans 8, 1. This is so cool. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Is everybody here in Christ Jesus? then I should have got a bigger amen than that. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I came from the Baptist church. I like a little amen every once in a while. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> amen? All right. 
There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul understood. He says, I know I have a problem. I want to do the right thing. I sometimes do the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing, but sometimes I do it anyway. But you know what? In Christ, there is no condemnation. Amen. That's good stuff. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's that's good stuff. And if we can grab that and hold on to it and live in it, not just intellectually acknowledge that it's true, but live in it every day. It's a brand new year. You want to get more excited? Let's get excited together. You said you're going to take this journey with me, so you have to get excited with me too as we go. Look at the end of this chapter. This is good stuff. Then in verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. (laughs) I should have got something there. Thank you. We're more than conquerors. We didn't just barely cross the finish line. We're over here like hours before the marathon guys even show up. We're more than conquerors. Why? Because of Christ, because of God, what he has done, because our default setting was broken, but God changed it all. I get excited. I'm sorry. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, I love this list, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That's good stuff. As you go into this year, as you go into this year, beloved, and I love you guys, and that's why I'm here talking to you. Well, that and the pastor's not here. Love you guys, and that's why I wanted to share this with you, because sometimes we need to be reminded of the gospel that set us free. And worship team, come on up. And I don't know where you are on your journey with God, I don't know if you've ever come to that point in your life where you actually chose. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. But he made a way. Over in Romans 10, and uh, we'll finish up with this. Over in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Well, I know what it says. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in, you can turn them off, it's fine. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. And I don't know if you've ever done that. I hope that you have. But if you were to die today and you had to stand before God 
And he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? I've never killed anybody and I'm good to my neighbors. It doesn't get it. Because our good works don't get it. Only what he has done for us gets it. So have you come to a place in your life where you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Then you're saved. That's awesome. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's verse 10. But let me, let, me, let me warn you. If you haven't done that, if you haven't done that, then you're still in that default setting. Broken and separated from God. The Bible tells us that there is no other name given unto men by which we must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. So I hope that you're there. If not, we're going to sing a couple of songs. This table is certainly open. But if you have business to do with God this morning, do it.